When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Guys, are you looking for that extra confidence when it's time to have fun? Let me tell you about BlueChew.com. BlueChew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. BlueChew's tablets help men combat all forms of ED. BlueChew is also an online prescription service, so no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. And it ships right to your door in a discreet package. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. And the best part, all done online. Blue Chew's tablets, made in the United States, and they prepare and ship direct, so it's cheaper than a pharmacy. And here's a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code URBAN at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com promo code URBAN to receive your first month free. Empire. You thought you knew, but you have no idea. It's the urban sports scene. You are listening to the urban sports scene with Will T and myself, Wole. The homie Ray Jeezy is out, and we are part of Empire Media. That's at AmpireMedia.com. What's good, Will T? Nothing much, sir. Just another another Tuesday. About to lock in, do a great show with you. Um, had a pretty good Fourth of July and a week off uh-huh. from doing the podcast. So you know, ready to lock back in, head towards the home stretch. I think we're like sixty days out from the football season. So you wow, know. man, you already you already going to the football season. Jeez, all right, cool. We gotta get there, I guess. <laughs> no, I mean that's look. That's I mean that that's one of the sports that drives. You know, America. A lot of our, yeah. you know, less, yeah, mm-hmm. America, and you know, we get increased numbers during NFL season because people want to hear my picks. Oh yeah, your picks, because you are like that dude when it comes to picks. Yeah, man. <laughs> it is what it is. You know it, but, bro. Go ahead. What, what did you want to say? I want to cut you off. No, nah, but uh, that's that's not the, that that doesn't mean that you know that doesn't take anything away from the baseball season, MLB, and then mm-hmm. you know you also have NBA summer league. So plenty to talk about. Yeah, obviously, and we'll see. You're big on summer league. You know, summer league's happening. You know, you love summer league as well, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you, I, I, I I I I detect a hint of cynicism in your voice. No, but, no, you I'm know. being real. I like summer league too. Bro. I'm being real. I'm not even being dirty. <laughs> All good, man. Don't you love some? Don't you like? I mean, I like it. I mean, before yeah, I do. I, I enjoy summer yeah, league. Man. I mean, have you been impressed I, by I any, any rookie in summer league? Um, I enjoyed Chet Holmgren's first game out in Utah, where he kind of displayed 
his skill set. Um, Kenny Lofton Jr. for the map for the um, for the Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah. Even though he, you know, I think he's like six foot seven. Um, he isn't, you know, he's. Some would say he's chubby. Mm-hmm. Um, chub on a chubby side for an NBA player, but I've I've enjoyed his game ever since. Um, I think I, I saw him. The first time I ever saw him play was like for the um, USA team. Mm-hmm. I think nineteen and under, mm-hmm. and I've just enjoyed his game ever since. Yeah, some league's been dope, man. Um, I like you know, Homegrown. He's been good. Homegrown has been solid. Uh, old boy out of uh, from Duke that plays for Orlando has been good. Um, uh, I mean, I like the Vanchero. Kid. Yeah, Vanchero. I like. I like. I like the dude from. Um, I like um, Smith, who plays for uh, the, the the Rockets. I liked him in college, though. Um, I, Jabari, I know, Smith. Jabari Smith. I think he's gonna be a stud. I know he's starting off slow in summer league. I don't really get into summer league like that in terms of if somebody's struggling. Oh, he's a bust, or this, that, and the other. You know what I mean? Like, there are things that you can kind of look at in terms of watching an individual baller and say, okay, this person is missing this, that, and the other. So, but, you know, it is what it is. I think summer league is still exciting, and hopefully, you know, folks are playing a little. Also, folks, take it a little easy. These are still just kids. I mean, if you want to criticize, do it in a polite, tactful way, but don't understand these are still just kids. Um, uh, well, that's asking too much of people. I know, right? Because people don't have no, no decency, I swear. <laughs> way there people are acting as if just imagine that was your kid just put it that way imagine that was your kid all right so i mentioned empire media media empire media hosts multiple dmv sports podcast shows such as the john kine report hosted by espn washington commanders insider john kine and jones football hosted by usa today insider mike jones subscribe to our podcast on stitcher spotify itunes tune in iheart radio and google Podcasts. just search the urban sports scene Make sure you subscribe to our Urban Sports YouTube channel as well. This show can be found on Podcast DC, the local app with hundreds of options and local news and and health in the DMV region. Download the Podcast DC app to hear all the Empire shows as well as other great content. Don't forget to tweet us at Urban Sports Team. Hit us up on IG at Urban Sports Team and like our Urban Sports Team Facebook page. Also join our Urban Sports Team Facebook group Search Urban Sports Scene, Sports Bloggers, Sports Podcasters, and Sports Debate. We'll see. Let's get into our tradition, the pregame. Here's what we have on tap. We'll debate whether the Washington whether Washington Nationals outfielder Juan Soto deserves to be an all-star over Nats first baseman Josh Bell. Kevin Nibley from Talk Nats will join us to discuss this. Finally, in our segment, HBCU Corner, we, we have a pre-taped interview with managing editor and head reporter of HBCU Legends, Kyle T. Mosley. But first, right now, we have Kevin Nibley from Talk Nats on the line. What's going on, Kev? Hey, guys. How's it going? Going good, man. I going mean, great, man. I mean, the Nats, not a great season, but <laughs> not the best. Um, I know I've been... But, but you prepared... But you prepared us for this because the last time yeah. Kevin was on, I asked Kevin specifically. I said, "Kevin, should we expect a ninety a ninety loss season?" You said, "Pretty much, yeah." So you know, the yeah, tracking toys. I was surprised. I was surprised to hear from you guys. I, I didn't think I'd be here <laughs> from you until like twenty twenty five when the team was good again. Um, so no, no, I'm, I was. I'm really happy that you called me to be on the show. It's it's been a rough first half, but uh, you know, it's only. I will say for Nats fans, I think this is the bottom. Yeah, this is probably the bottom. It it can only go up from here. So, oh, definitely. What do you really think so? Oh, this is the bottom. It's really be, think so? It's oh yeah, I do. I 
Yeah, it'll be better next year. I mean, I don't know how much better, but it'll be a little bit better next year. I mean, they're they're probably going to get a new owner. They'll spend a little bit um, because of some rules changes. Like so, you know, this year they're clearly tanking for the number one mm-hmm. pick or a top five pick. Um, the the way that uh, the rules have changed in the last uh, collective bargaining agreement, the, the highest they'll be able to pick uh, next year would be you know tenth or eleventh if they finish in the bottom six this year, which they most certainly are. So and you know with new ownership. Uh, I don't think they'll be great next year, but I'd expect someone to come in and spend a few dollars and maybe they'll be at least competitive. I think this is kind of the bottom. So, you know, for that fans, I wouldn't expect to win uh, the division next year, but you know, they might be like a 75, 80 win team and, you know, buy a few free agents and be a little bit better. So. All right. I, I love the optimism, Kev. I love the optimism. <laughs> love hey, 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 all they got to do to me is get a new manager and they can win some games again. I'm just, I'm just. That's my opinion. I feel like they get another manager, they can win games. They can win games again, because you don't always have to have the all-star roster to win baseball games. That's all I'm saying. Like, you still have one of the best players in the world in Juan Soto, and you, and you have guys who kind of played better than they did last season. Like, you're getting basically getting the Josh Bell of the Pittsburgh Pirates, and you're like you're not even taking advantage of it. You know what I mean? So, um, there's some things you. There's some and, and pitching has disappointed, but again, under other another regime uh some of these young guys who are struggling played played uh pretty well not on this team but young guys when this particular manager had young guys his young guys played pretty well so hopefully well well like you know that you know that <laughs> davy that davy martinez and mike rizzo recently they got had their deals extended by one year so, that's, that's know, a, that's a i don't think they'll be getting ready well, mike rizzo's been good i'm not going to criticize mike rizzo um, the other one, though. I, I think that's, yeah, I think that's, I think they just, it's one of those things where they did that extension, but, you know, if a new owner completes the sale, mm-hmm. you know, by uh, this winter and they're like, you know, no, we want someone else, then then they won't be back next year. It's, it's, it's you know, I think they basically gave whoever the new owner is going to be the option of having continuity, but that's not like, do you remember, I know you guys are, uh, Slash WFT uh, Commanders fans. No, you know, Will remember is not. when they, Will is they not. gave Donald? Will is not though. I Will's am. not. Okay. <laughs> no, no. R- remember no when? They, I'm, da- I'm, I'm dating myself, but like you know, ten years ago, so whatever. Remember when they gave Donovan McNabb that oh, big extension yeah, before the Monday Night Football yeah. game, and then they benched him two weeks later? That, that's kind of like the Rizzo Davy extension. It's not like this ironclad thing. You know, they could get rid of him next year if they felt see, like it. See Nats, that's good. See Nats well, fans, that's good news. See, I, I just helped you out. I, I, I do have one follow-up question. I know, um, Wole, you have a specific topic you want to get into. Go ahead. Go ahead, but, Kevin, can you, can you give us an update kind of where the potential sale or change of ownership, were, how that's progressing, how's that going? Do you have any insight for us? Or Yeah, yeah. Um, it seems like it's moving along. I mean, I'm not – I don't have, like, any real inside information on that, but it does seem uh, that there are at least – uh, three to six groups, I believe, that are interested. And it's far enough along that those people are looking at the Nationals' books, you know, which is a big deal, you know. Um, so it, it's serious. Um, I, I think there's optimism it'll happen hopefully before the start of next season. Um, you know, that would be ideal so that they could go into free agency in, uh, you know, November, December with a new owner and, and decide how they want to move forward. But I do think it's going to happen. And I do think that um, some of the rumors you've heard about Juan Soto 
uh, getting a new offer of four hundred million dollars and and those negotiations excuse me those negotiations heating up that wouldn't happen if if there wasn't new ownership ready to come in you know the learners wouldn't be like oh hey we're gonna give Juan Soto four hundred million dollars without talking to the the person that wants to buy you know the team it'd be like if you had a car you know say you're trying to sell a car to someone down the street you're not gonna like put like a PlayStation in the front thing and like a subwoofer and all this stuff before you sell the car. You know what I mean? You're not going to commit 400 no. you know, million dollars to a player and then sell it. You know what I mean? So obviously the, the whoever, you know, the groups are, uh, I, I know it's been confirmed. It was, uh, I don't remember his name wrapped up in the head. It was a very rich guy from South Korea, like a, you know, uh, investor uh, who is interested. I know obviously Ted Leonsis who owns the Caps and the Wizards is interested. And then there were rumors that Larry Lucchino, uh, who used to be involved with the Boston Red Sox, you know, was interested as well. It seems like a lot of people are interested. And I, I think for Nats fans, there's some optimism that the people who are interested seem to have a lot of money, you know? <laughs> so I, I think like, you know, hopefully, the, and the fact that they're talking to Soto and they're not talking about doing some deal with a bunch of deferrals and kind of on the cheap or anything like that. I think like hopefully they'll, you know, be a new owner with some money. They're obviously developing that area around the ballpark a lot. It's really sprung up. So, you know, I think with the right owner, you know, comes in and, you know, I think the Nats payroll this year is roughly 130, 140 million, you know, all in. And, you know, I think if, if someone came in next year and bumped that up to over 200, uh, you know, they, they might not win a division or World Series, but they'd be decent. You could watch them. So I, I think for Nats fans, that's sort of the hope is is a deep pocket owner will come in and sort of right the ship. And and I do think that things are trending uh, in that direction. I, I'm optimistic uh, the way things are going. Well, we'll find out. We'll see. we'll see. Thank you, sir. We'll see. But so, I mean, the All-Star, you know, the All-Star and the MLB All-Star game goes down on Tuesday. Uh, it was already like yesterday, or was it over, over the weekend, or some sort. The Nationals' outfielder Juan Soto was selected uh, to the NL All-Star team, but first baseman Josh Freeman—I mean, Josh, I said Josh Freeman. Josh Bell was not. Uh, should Soto uh, have been selected over ahead of Josh Bell, knowing that Josh Bell has probably has probably been the more consistent player for this for this Nats team? Uh, no, uh, you know, I think <laughs> Josh Bell deserved, if, if the Nats could have only had one play, yeah. and if the All-Star game was a true representation of who had the best first half in 2022, then yeah, Josh Bell should have been the guy. I don't think you can argue uh, Bell's had a better first half. Um, but, you know, Soto has heated up recently, and I mean, when you do look at their stats, you know, their war is like, close to identical like bells ahead by a little bit uh their ops is you know bells at 877 so is at 870 um you know obviously uh bell has a better at batting average but you know when you look at Juan soto he leads the major leagues in walks and by a lot like uh-huh. soto has i believe around like 73 walks and the next closest guy is schwarber in philly with you know about 50 or so so i mean he leads the walk you know he leads the major leagues in walks by a lot. So basically when you look at that, like no one's pitching to Juan Soto. So, you know, if you wanted to make like a deep thoughtful argument, you could say, well, Soto obviously is the better player. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. if you were starting a team, if you're a general manager and you could have Bell or Soto, you're taking Soto and you don't think twice about it. But I I do think that 
you know, if the all-star game was fair, which it's not, but, but if it was, then yes, Bell should have gotten a nod and Soto should have stayed at home this year. But, but the major league all-star game sadly isn't fair. I mean, I remember years that, you know, like when the Cubs were good, you know, they, their whole, like their whole team would be on the all-star team. (laughs) I think there was like one year where the Kansas, Kansas city Royals fans like stuffed ballot boxes and got, you know, it's, it's not exactly the most fair all-star game in the world it is a popularity contest and i do think you know sadly if uh josh bell and Juan soda were on the los angeles dodgers both would have gotten in but you know they're on the nats and the nats are really bad this year so i think the fact that the nats or what are they 30 and 58 or something like that you know i mean they're they're contending for the worst record in the majors you know i think they're only going to give them one player and i think they decided, well, Soto is the face of that franchise, so we're just going to give it to him. So, uh, you know, it, it's tough for Bell. It's not fair. But I also don't think it's it's egregious because Soto, you know, Soto had like a – you can look at Bell's first half and say that's one of the best uh, halves of uh, baseball seasons he's ever had. Um, you know, you look at Soto's first half and you that's one of the worst uh, first halves Soto's ever had. And, like, their war and OPS are close to identical. So – yeah, Bell should have gotten it, but I don't think it's an awful decision. It, it is what it is. They chose the longer-term star over the guy who had a good first half. So we posted this question on social media. You can tweet us at Urban Sports Team. You can hit us up on IG at Urban Sports Team and, and comment on our Urban Sports Team Facebook page. Uh, my man Taj, I mean, at Taj Wilson, tweeted, um, while Bell might be more deserving, Soto is not only the face of, the fr- of your franchise, he may be the face of – DC Sports and definitely one of the young face uh, faces slash stars of the of MLB. Uh, they can't afford not to have him at the All Star game. Uh, I mean, I, I feel like for me as a guy who's I mean, I've watched, I've been a baseball fan for pretty much you know all my life. Um, and you know, it's all about like a season. Sometimes you reward a guy for a season, and usually when you're a bad team, the best player, the best player, unless you were voted on by the fans, it's, it's two different things. Unless you're voted on by the fans. Your job as the manager is to put on the or the commissioner or whatnot is to put the best player for that team on the ball club on the All Star team because the All Star mm-hmm. in, in MLB the All Star team is you only get one you, I mean you're allowed one All Star right so every team can get one All Star but typically I mean like I, I'm an Orioles fan I grew up an Orioles fan so you know there was years where Cal made it but Cal made it because he was voted in some of the years Cal was hitting like two fifty like two thirty but he got voted in, so yeah, they kind of yeah. substituted for the only Oriole to make the ball club. Even this is when, even when the Orioles weren't like like an average or slightly below average baseball team. But Kyle would make it. Kyle would make it because he was always a fan favorite. This situation is a little different for me because yes, Juan Soto is you know he's come on of late. I have my fancy fancy baseball team. We suck. I'm like the Nats on fancy baseball. But I have Juan, I have Juan Soto on my team, and I know right, Kev. <laughs> I have Juan Soto on my team, so I know, like, I know the struggles. Like, every time I look down, like, dang, you struck out, like, three times? Like, how is this possible? You're Juan Soto. So, it's like, so, like, so I know, and then looking at Josh Bell, you know, there's games where he's hitting, you know, at two home runs. He's been, he's been very consistent. And I'm, my thing is that when we're talking about an all-star, you know, an all-star game, it's for, for the 2022 all-star game. It's fair to reward a guy who's been playing good baseball. And I hear – I know the argument out there is that he's playing first base and there's so many first basemen better than um, – that's better than Josh – having better seasons than Josh Bell. But I feel like with – you know, there's no DH. I mean, the, the DH is not – the pitcher's out. 
it doesn't really matter. You can find a way to get Josh Bell on, in, in a lineup. You know what I mean? You can find a way to get him on the All-Star team. So I kind of don't really go with that way of thinking because you need, you get one All-Star, like one All-Star, and for, for the 2022 season, you can put Josh Bell in there. Wasso will be okay. Hopefully some guys will drop <laughs> out. You know, hopefully a lot of times people drop out and then, you know, maybe he'll be able to kind of get in uh-huh. before, uh, you know, I think it's like a week from today, right? So maybe the next week you know, someone will drop out because they have like a little, you know, sore or whatever. They pull a muscle. I, you know, hopefully he'll get in because he deserves it. But yeah, it it would have been nice. But I understand why, you know, on the 30 and 58 team, they pick uh, a guy like Juan Soto, who, you know, whose numbers compare to like Ted Williams or something over the course of his early career versus like Josh Bell, who's had a couple of good halves of a baseball season in his career. But then, you know, the thing with Bell is, it's happened to him a few times where he's had re- one really yes, good half and then true. the next half of the season, he's awful. So, you know, I, it should have been Bell, but I don't, this isn't like a, you know, the saying goes, this isn't like a hill to die for for me as a baseball <laughs> fan. It's like, it should have been Bell, but they, they took, they took Soto. It's like, I'm not going to lose a, a night of sleep over it. You know, it is what it is. You All know? right. And one more tweet, uh, at senior underscore Cabra uh, tweeted, probably the guy hitting 280 from his weeks, weaker side. I guess you talk, you're referring to Josh Bell. Um, um, so, but yeah, I mean, yeah. I like you. Like, you're just a bad, both of them, I mean, it's a bad team right now. So, it is what it is. Both of them aren't helping this team get W's because they still have a bad record. Definitely one individual is not helping me get wins on my fancy baseball team. So, it is what it is. I'm not even <laughs> really, be con- really be concerned with it. You're li- anyway, you're listening to the Urban Sportsing part of Amplifier Media um, at, at, at AmplifierMedia.com. Right now, we have Talk Nats Kevin Nibley on the line. I guess I'll do this. Hey, anyway, I got one more question. One more question for you, Kev. Uh, do you think Soto is that? Yeah. All right. So do you think in terms – I know I've heard the – I just made the argument about, you know, you have to have Soto on this all-star team, but he wasn't voted in. So is it that essential that Juan Soto is on, in this all-star game, knowing that he wasn't even voted in? You know, I don't think so. Um, but, you know, be, be, Baseball's a weird sport in the sense of all of the major sports, they probably do like the worst job marketing themselves of of any of them. So I I think the answer to your question should be yes. I mean, you know, Juan Juan Soto should be a household name, you know, along with Mike Trout and, you know, like Trey Turner and, you know, Freddie Freeman and, uh, you know, Ronald Acuna and like all these like great superstars, right? Like, I, I know I'm leaving some out, obviously, but these people should be household names and, and, you know, they should be promoting their sport the way the NFL, you know, they, they just did that thing. You know, my, I, I just got married. My wife's like from Buffalo. She's a huge Bills fan. They just Congrats, did that yeah. thing in the NFL Congrats, with, uh, oh, thanks, bud. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Congrats. But, you know, Congrats. they did that thing where, Thank you. They did that thing where like Josh Allen, Pat Mahomes, Brady and Rogers are playing golf. You know, I mean, like, they, like you know, and, and like their whole sports revolves around those guys. And, you know, they, they do a great job marketing their sport. Yeah, yes. Like in theory, Juan Soto is one of the best five to 10 players in that sport. I mean, really probably one of the best five. And, and he's young. He's, you know, he's a kid. They should be marketing the whole sport around him, but they don't. So, you know, within the context of the way the major leagues run their operation. No, I don't think it's essential that he's in the all-star game, but you know, if they're trying to be smart, if they're trying to get better about promoting their sport, then yeah, Juan Soto is a guy 
that you would want front and center. And, and no offense to Josh Bell, he's, he's a, a solid first baseman. Uh, when he gets hot, he can be great. But like at the same time, you know, he's not like on that level of a superstars Juan Soto is. So yeah, I mean, if, if it was like a tough call, I can see why they went with Soto. But I, you know, I don't think it's essential. I, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, the All Star Game in baseball is just. I, in a way, like the home run derby, yeah. like Soto participating in the home run derby to me is a bigger deal as a baseball fan. Like I'm more excited yes, to watch that. You know, it's, it's, you got like Alonzo who, for whatever reason, Pete Alonzo is amazing at the home run derby. Like, you know, if the home run derby was an Olympic event, he would be like the gold medalist, you know, you'd be like Michael Phelps or something. He's great at it, but you know, you have Soto and I saw Pujols is in and like a lot of guys are joining it this year. I'm more interested in that than like the all-star game because all-star game you know a guy plays an inning or two and they pull them and it's just it's and you know they it's not like even really a, a real game of baseball it's not that big a deal to me at least as a baseball fan but but you know home run derby seems to be becoming more of a signature event for sure all right kevin before we get you out of here um what do you what do you have featured on net talk excuse me talk nets and how can folks find you on social media yeah, totally. Go to uh, talknats.com and follow at talknats on Twitter. Um, again, for Nats fans, uh, there's going to be a whole new way. I know it seems dark right now, but like whatever they say, like it's, you know, darkest before the dawn. I do think there's a dawn coming, you know, and, and if you want to kind of be in on that, Talknats is a great place to learn about, you know, Kate Cavalli, who's pitching in Rochester tonight, who hopefully will be in D.C. in, in a couple weeks or a month or so. Um, you know, learn about some of our younger – Jeremy De La Rosa is killing it, you know, just got promoted. So there are some good young players kind of coming up. And Talknats really, you know, dis, no disrespect to more of the mainstream uh, publications, but Talknats really, really gets in-depth on that kind of stuff. And, and it's a great place, especially at this point uh in the you know rebuild to learn about like kind of the next new guy that's going to be coming up um and then yeah for me it's just uh at k underscore nibbly um and yeah i, I had a lot of naps tweets and movie tweets uh some other stuff and uh yeah thank you guys uh, for having me as always kev is not throwing shade at right. other publications when you got it you're not throwing shade you got it you it's not throwing shade <laughs> i'm not sure well <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Well, I mean, you know, it's just, and, and just, I, I really mean no disrespect because I, you know, it's like you're not, you know, like I'm not trying. Like the, the Washington Post isn't going to put like a minor league box score on the front page and get in the depth of like who the next, exactly. you know, right so fielder is going to be three years from. I get so, it. You so know, they need that's, to get their that's game for, like, up. my they mom got... to read over a coffee in the morning. Yeah, yeah. You know, I get it. But yeah, but talk math is good. If you're like a deeper level fan, that's a great place to go look, for sure. Look, Washington Post, get, Washington Post, get the game up. You know, talking math is doing big things. Game <laughs> uh, man, I'm gonna get in trouble for that. Okay, all right, no doubt. <laughs> Just blame me, blame me, Kev, blame me, Art. Blame me, okay. <laughs> hey, Kev, thanks for being on. Appreciate all right, you, that man. Was a... <laughs> yeah, appreciate you, Kev. All right, take care, guys. Yeah, take care, guys. Right. Yeah. That was a great conversation we had with Kev about the Nats, man. I, I don't think we've had like that in depth of a conversation about baseball in a while. That's but true. Partially because. The Orioles and the Nets suck. No, the Orioles are good, actually. Yeah. Actually, FYI. Well, well, no, let me. I'll take that. I'll I'm take that say, back. No. The Orioles look to be as a team that's trending on the upward, yeah, whereas the Nets yeah, look to be trending downward. Exactly. Don't trash my squad. I haven't even talked about them on this on this show because I, you know, I, like I said, I like to stay consistent. <laughs>
I, I could dig it. All right. As part of our HBCU Corner segment, we'll play our interview with managing editor and head reporter of HBCU legends Kyle T. Mosley after the break. It's the Urban Sports Scene. The Iges. You dig? Deuces. On Empire Media, that's empiremedia.com. Guys, are you looking for that extra confidence when it's time to have fun? Let me tell you about BlueChew.com. BlueChew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. BlueChew's tablets help men combat all forms of ED. BlueChew is also an online prescription service, so no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. And it ships right to your door in a discreet package. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. And the best part, all done online. Blue Chew's tablets, made in the United States, and they prepare and ship direct, so it's cheaper than a pharmacy. And here's a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code URBAN at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com promo code URBAN to receive your first month free. to the urban sports scene on Empire Media at empiremedia.com. And it's time now for our HBCU Corner segment. And I would like to introduce our special guest who is a graduate of Morehouse College. You can catch this guest on numerous platforms, including Sports Illustrated and HBCU Legends. This brother produces amazing content while covering the New Orleans Saints, New Orleans Pelicans, just to name a few. And he doesn't know it yet, but this is just the beginning of an evolving partnership with Urban Sports Team because, well, Ole, you know, when the Commanders play the Saints in the future, we're going to have his brother on the show again. But welcome to the Urban Sports Team, Mr. Kyle T. Mosley. What's happening, brother? Oh, man, look, how, how much I owe you guys, man. Y'all y'all gave me too much of a, a compliment at the beginning. So I owe you guys some something, man. But thank you for guys uh, having me on board, Ray. Thank you so much. Oh, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. So, like I said, I told you before, we're going to start off with an icebreaker. Typically, we talk about HBU, HBCUs. We like to we like to talk about homecomings and the culture and all, just to just to get a feel for your, your perspective on HBCUs. We're going to do it a little different this time because we went to the University of Maryland Eastern Shore, you know, home of our show. You already oh, yeah. know what it is. And yeah. um, we're known for our chicken because we, we are located close to Purdue Chicken Farms out here in Maryland. But 
I know other schools like uh, Benedict, for example, they're known for their barbecue. What I want to know is what is Morehouse known for? Oh, man. Uh, as far as food <laughs> is concerned, yeah. terrible, <laughs> terrible food. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Be honest. Um, when I was at Morehouse, it was in the 80s, man. So we're talking about 84 to 89, right? So when it came to food, we weren't much on food, right? Uh, but what we did have, we had Pasquale's uh, restaurant that was very well noted because Dr. King and uh, Ralph Abernathy and those guys frequented down the road. So it was more like soul food in that area that was really hot, you know? So if you want to get some good soul food, head down to the Atlanta University Center, you'll get your, your fair share of that. Uh, but other than that, man, uh, Morehouse, we had some terrible food. We like, like now you guys have tailgating and all that other stuff. <laughs> nah, we didn't have tailgating, man. Uh, but uh, we we had fun, and we had a lot of. Uh, if you look at school days with that Spike Lee produced uh-huh. for homecoming, that was our homecoming. That was exactly it, man. Matter of fact, Spike was there for the homecomings to be wow. able to. to produce some of that uh some of those segments could you tell oh, yeah. us a little bit of, could you tell us a little bit about your morehouse experience then your time in morehouse yeah beautiful time man we had uh a lot of great people who came through uh, a lot of great speakers uh i was there well coretta scott king was there when i handed in my reg- voter registration card uh we had guys that come through who really laid down some good foundation with us. Uh, I'm talking about the intangible stuff then, other than just the educational side. And I think that's what kind of made us feel as though we can go out and conquer the world, you know, as Morehouse men. And I just appreciate that time because I made some great friends who to this day, 30 years later, we're still great friends. And uh, I appreciate that. We, well, you, you mentioned school days and we old enough to remember that, believe it or not. Um, and, and CEU, that's a DMV yep. thing, you know, yeah. they're doing the bus. So that, that that's where we, we put on the map at the time. So that's right. appreciate, that's right. appreciate that reference. That was hot back then, man. You know, oh, doing the bus, uh, the freak and all that, you know, <laughs> that's where all that kind of originated from the guys from DC who were at Morehouse, uh, mm. that freak thing. And people called it the prep. We called it the freak originally, you know? So, and uh, then you had the pageantry, of course, the queen and all the stuff. AJ Johnson, you know, AJ from baby boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who played the mother of, of, uh, of Tyrese's mother? Yeah. She oh was yeah. My, she was my uh, maroon and white queen my freshman year. Wow. She still okay. look good. She still look good. I know. Good, man, uh, she still got a nice little body uh, <laughs> to her. I, I was watching something on the other day with, but she's very smart. You know, she has a degree in chemistry, and I have wow. a degree in chemistry as well. Right. But uh, AJ was a very personable uh, young lady and I had to appreciate that because most of the times because she got a lot of attention 
she would kind of be snooty, you would think, but not. Nah, that wasn't her. Wow. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I appreciate your answers, brother. And I set you up a little bit because all I saw about Morehouse was the food is terrible to this day. And I was like, let me see what he's going to say. <laughs> Maybe he'll give me something different. But uh, we can jump right into it now, get into a little more serious stuff uh, because, of course, we do this segment to honor HBCU athletics and the history of it because there is such a rich, a rich history of successful athletes who attended and played sports at HBCUs. However, I just don't feel like that's the driving force behind this resurgence. It's more so like Dion and um, Eddie George and the prominent coaches and the prominent names that are now popping up at HBCUs. Um, how important is it to you that current and future generations know and understand the history as it pertains to making a choice for college as well as where they're going to participate in college athletics? That's a great question, man. Uh, see, the resurgence didn't really start with Deion Sanders, but if you look back at the movement, what was happening with the young men who were being killed due to the violence of, that they received from police officers, uh, you, you look at uh, not just George Floyd, but a, a lot of these other guys that were having situations that were just horrible and horrific, right? Uh, Then you had the resurgence of people interested in knowing the culture, something that they weren't being exposed to. And a lot of uh, young people not understanding that there was a, a good struggle that went through to be able to help them just to vote or just mm-hmm. to be able to have that opportunity to make uh, a lot of money or have uh, great employment or great places to live and everything else. But you still had that divide in America, right? So you have young guys, let's say like Travis Hunter, and I looked at his commentary when he decided to attend Jackson State. That homecoming experience that he had to witness what was going on was like none other. And I think that kind of separated him from, uh, I mean, his decision from, uh, let's say, Florida State and Alabama or whomever else, because the the intangibles that I spoke of as well, you know, Mm. who can say that Coretta Scott King was there when you filled out your voter registration card and handed it in, right? and talked about the importance of voting as a young person and things of that nature. Uh, who can say that you had a influence like a Deion Sanders that coached you? We're talking about not just uh, one of the best cornerbacks, the best, in my opinion, cornerback to ever play the game uh, and a Hall of Famer. And now he's uh, instilling his passion, his interest, and his knowledge into young people, right? So right now, I think it was a whole snowball effect that kind of built a lot of momentum. And now we're here at this uh, rise of the HBCU, so to speak. Uh, But I recall back in the day, I was at the first Bayou Classic, okay, in uh, Tulane Stadium, New Orleans, 1978, yeah, no, 74, 74. Uh, and the reason why I'm saying that because my dad was an SU grad and I saw Doug Williams throw the ball all up and down the field 
and just destroy Southern that, that day, mm. man. <laughs> and um, then you look at a lot of these guys who came from Eddie Robertson's program back in the 50s and 60s that had such a strong impact on the National Football League, you know, uh, that a lot of people take for granted. And then we know the names like Doug Williams, but there were a lot of guys before Doug Williams. Okay. There were a lot of guys before um, who were just some of the best HBCU athletes that came out of Tennessee State, like Eldridge Taylor, you know, and um, then you have uh, you have guys from Alcorn like uh, Steve McNair. And, mm -hmm. you, you know, you have so many guys like Willie Totten from Mississippi Valley State. You know, you have guys who were very, very talented, but when it came to the National Football League, didn't give their fair share. You know, mm -hmm. uh, Joe Gilliam is another name that you guys need to look up at Tennessee State. He won two black national championships uh, for Tennessee State, went to the Pittsburgh Steelers, played alongside Terry Bradshaw, was a better quarterback. I heard about him. I know exactly. And Terry about Bradshaw. Uh -huh. And Terry Bradshaw would tell anybody that he was a better quarterback, mm -hmm. threw a better pass and everything, but wasn't given that opportunity. So I think right now we, what HBCU schools and institutions should do is to continue marketing not only the educational aspect, not only the sports aspect, but also how culturally important it is to become a part of this movement and excel and bring it to a new level. Mm -hmm. I, I can hear the passion when it comes to HBCU from you, the HBCUs from you. Um, and I, I guess I have a question. You know, you just mentioned your father. He went to, you know, SU. You went to, you went to Morehouse. Like, where, does, does your passion just come from, like, you going to Morehouse, your father going to SU? Or is it just an overall thing of you with your family or your experiences at, the, at, at, at Morehouse? And, well, that's a great question. Um let me bring you back some history as well. Uh -huh. My uh -huh. grandmother was the first HBCU grad in my family uh -huh. because she attended Atlanta University, which sits on the campus where Clark is and where Morehouse is right in between. You know, Atlanta University was just like that. You, you didn't have much of it. But... Um, she got her degree in social work. Then she also attended Dillard University. She got well, she got an undergrad from Dillard. Then she got a master's from Atlanta University. Then she went to NYU and she got uh, did some postgrad work. Mm. Then my dad went to Southern. My mother went to Dillard. My aunts went to Dillard. My uncles went to Grambling to play ball and. Mm. Um, my godfathers and my godmother went to Gramlin. So I have a family nucleus that was either Dillard, Gramlin, and Xavier also. I have some people go to Xavier University uh, in New Orleans. So I had a good mix of HBCU influence. Uh, so when I decided to apply for schools, 
I could not afford Notre Dame where I loved, you know. Uh I could not afford USC. But when the guy told me about Morehouse and I said, look, my dad already talked to me about Morehouse, about Dr. King and his influence. Mm -hmm. Then the guy ran down and said, did you know we had Julian Bond, Maynard Jackson? Uh, Did you know that Edwin Moses? I said, man, I just saw Edwin Moses run, (laughs) you know. A lot of people don't realize he's a Morehouse grad, Uh you know. Um, So all of that kind of you look at uh, the lineage there and it just connected and resonated in my spirit. So I applied to two schools, Prairie View and Morehouse. Got into both of them. Da, 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 Morehouse, I was gone. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and the rest is history, man. Awesome. That's awesome. crazy. Cause, cause me and Wole, we both got accepted to our school and South Carolina state. And we both chose, we both chose UMES. Yeah. That's interesting. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Love I mean, that's an interesting choice there for you guys, because a lot of people would think South Carolina State would be the lick, right? Uh, yeah, gonna, but you fly that out of state. Out of state, please, <laughs> you, you just hey, said it. It's <laughs> man. I understand. Out of state fees can get to you, boy. Um, look, at Morehouse, I had out of state fees. And check this out. Nowadays, the tuition is like 30, 40 grand. Right, uh-huh. I'm talking about with my out of state fees is four grand. Think about that. Wow, think about the difference. <laughs> I could now have, I thought I couldn't afford it then. I had loans <laughs> and everything, so man. yeah, man. So it's, it's a difference, but um, we were blessed and I was fortunate to be able to, to do it, man. Can I say real quick, you were blessed to have the family structure that you have because. When I went to school and the professors, they used to try to tell me, hey, man, you know, we used to produce NFL and NBA type athletes at HBCUs. I grew up watching North Carolina, Duke and Maryland. I'm like, yeah, right, man. These schools, yeah. they can't recruit none of these guys. And they used to get so mad at me. I, I, I feel bad, but I was immature at the time. I was uneducated, to be honest. Mm-hmm. So the fact that you had that perspective going in is such a blessing. I just mm-hmm. want to say that. Wally, I don't know if you want to take the next question. I I, I can take the one after this. No, I, I, mean, I can do it. I can definitely have it. Um, so okay. in terms of like you know national success and popularity, you popularity. You mentioned Dion. You mentioned what he's done with with um Jackson 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 State University. But you know it always takes that one groundbreaking appearance in in, in a sport or in terms of a tournament or a big win. Which sport? Which sport will be the one that changes the whole landscape of HBCUs athletics? Excuse me. Well, football is still the dominant force, uh-huh. right? It's still the dominant force in all of athletics, to be honest with you. Well, uh-huh. I kind of t- put parentheses around that because soccer is pretty much dominant internationally, around right? Uh-huh. Right, around the world. I think the NFL still has the powerhouse marketing effort that sends them a little bit a notch above the soccer, right? Uh-huh. But we shall see next year they're, they're going to have a host cities all across America uh, with the World Cup. Uh-huh. So it's going to be interesting to see how that works out. But when it comes to HBCUs, I think people kind of forget this one thing. University of Miami lost to FAMU in the late 70s. Uh-huh. Wow. That, 
look at that uh, history there. They beat them, was it 13 to 10, I believe. It was a three-point difference. Uh, and guess who was uh, the, the field goal kicker? Vince Coleman, the major league great. Yeah, you know, baseball, so Vince Coleman played for baseball? Vince Coleman played baseball, was oh, wow. the place kicker for FAMU. <laughs> oh, shoot. <laughs> and he, he kicked a, was it a 28? 27-yard field goal or something to that nature uh -huh. to win the game for them, all right? Uh -huh. So, and uh, Howard Slellenberger was the uh, University of Miami coach, which went on to win a national championship, the uh -huh. first national championship for the University of Miami. So, mm -hmm. what I'm saying is this. If you have a, a program, let's say, I don't think it's going to happen this year, but it almost happened last year where the University of Louisiana Monroe was on the ropes from Jackson State. And Jackson State almost won that game. Shadour was still kind of young in his uh, process at that time through an interception when they could have gone down the field to win the, the, the game. But that was going to be a, a groundbreaking type of win if they won that. That was but it also sent a message to, like, uh, Lane Kiffin, Nick Saban, and all those guys that Deion Sanders was not just a fly-by-night coach, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. You know, that was Bobby Bowden's son he was about to beat, yeah. who also years ago had an undefeated team at Tulane. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, so um, I'm saying all this to say that – it's going to be on the schedule probably within the next couple of seasons that you're going to have a major power going against a HBCU that can contend. Mm. I don't know if it's going to happen in the next two, three years, but look for it. It's going to happen. The, the fight is going to be there. I don't know how it's going to end up, but it's going to be one of these, um, these type of games that you may have 60, 70, 80,000 people attending mm. as a result. No, I, I do agree about like the NFL. I mean, you know, football is, is America's game. Let's keep it a buck. It's America's game in terms of, you know, what it generates in terms of revenue and whatnot. But I, 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 my, I guess my question was more towards like why I was thinking like basketball to a certain extent was that you're D1, you play against, you got the opportunity to play these big schools Regardless if they don't want to put you on the schedule, you have the opportunity to play these big schools. But once once in every blue moon, but then you, if you make it to the tournament, you have an opportunity to really play them. Like all these powerhouse schools. And if you do damage, it brings attention to your program. I'm doing real damage. I'm, I'm talking about get it to the final four type of damage. Right, then right, it brings right. attention in an individual. And we know in terms of sports, um, especially basketball, you can definitely uh, you can definitely popularize the individual a lot more, right? Right, so, right. so then somebody, so a kid who's watching it and watching, isn't watching the tournament sees that he's a hooper. He's a big time hooper. He sees an HBCU school getting to the final four, which to me, like March Madness is one of the biggest draws in all of this, in all of the world to me. Um, and you see that this kid sees that, like that may entice a kid to say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to change the whole landscape by myself. Like, I'm not, I'm not saying like a kid like a LeBron James may be sitting watching it or a kid like Carmelo could be watching and say you know what if i if i was on that team 
we're winning the national championship. We're not just getting right. to the final four. So I'm, th- I guess to me, I, I think football makes the most money, obviously, and it can it can change everything with Dion's doing. But I, I feel like in terms of pop culture, you have that one individual, like that one team that can get to that level. Maybe that can change the landscape just as well. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, let's look at what Tamika Reed did with Jackson State going against LSU. Yeah. Minutes away from a major upset uh-huh. in Baton Rouge at yes. Pete Maravich Stadium. You understand? Yeah. I agree. How that was, and <laughs> I make fun, I make jest, but Kim Mulkey was stressed. <laughs> you saw it on her face. Mm-hmm. We, we're talking about the national coach of the year. Kim Mulkey, she won that award again last season, and she was going to be beaten by Tamika Reed's team. Mm-hmm. You know, some questionable calls down the line and all this other stuff, you can't argue, but that, that's how close it was. So that would have been one of those uh, yeah. earth-shaking type of upsets that could have propelled a program and have somebody say, yeah, I want to I want to now attend an HBCU basketball program, right? Uh-huh. Right now, um, Johnny Jones does a great job at Texas Southern uh, with his program. You, yeah. you guys got some good good squads in the MEAC, very, very good squads in the MEAC and good talent in the MEAC. Yeah. You know, right yeah. now, Robert Covington is the only HBCU guy in all of the NBA. Uh-huh. And he's been in the NBA for a long time uh, yep. out of Tennessee State. So think about that, man. Uh-huh. Robert Covington is the lone HBCU guy. Crazy. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's got to change. And it kind of is a good segue into my next question because we are hearing a lot of prominent voices now advocate for HBCUs. You see the progress. You see the 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 Morgan and Howard game at NBA All-Star Week. And I always mention that as just one great example of just the exposure. Um, but with that being said, how important is it that future prominent coaches at HBCUs, that they actually played and succeeded there? Like Jerry Rice is a great example. I caught your interview with him, and I understand where he was coming from in terms of like the demands of the NFL and then coaching, how he won't have any time. Um, but I feel like it took Deion Sanders, you know, going to Jackson State to start to motivate folks to return to HBCUs so how important will it be for a voice who actually played there and lived that culture, lived that life and got the education to now lead the next generation, as opposed to somebody like Chris Paul who didn't go to an HBCU? That would be important. Mm-hmm. That could happen. But I think most likely it may be a couple of years before something like that happening as well, right? Uh-huh. Emmett Smith told me something last week that was pretty interesting about Deion Sanders. He said, who understands not only the football aspects better than Nick Saban does and everything else. He's played the pro level high at the highest level. He's done everything at the highest level, right? But he also understands the marketing aspect, how to market and 
when he went to Jackson, he brought a team of guys with him to help market the brand for Jackson State, right? That's the one thing some of the reporters that I have conversations with know that Eddie Robinson used to do the same thing. He marketed or helped to market the brand of Grambling. Uh-huh. And I think until we have more coaches, and you see this with Tamika Reed, she's doing a good job at it. Uh-huh. We have more coaches that are able to now understand that you're not only excelling as a head coach and or putting the X's and O's out there, but you also have to be articulate enough to, and, and not only articulate enough, but be, have that, uh, ability to to influence people to want to know what your brand is doing and being a part of your brand, right? Hugh Jackson has his great NFL experience, wasn't highly successful as an NFL coach, let's be honest, Uh but Mm -hmm. Hugh came from some championship programs from USC, you know, has been a part of some championship uh, caliber team and that kind of helped him out when he came when he first got the job at Grambling to start recruiting guys and you've seen him take guys left and right and get certain major commitments as a result right so until we get more guys who are Maybe there's some guys from HBCU programs who would like to come back in and help out. And when Jerry Rice told me that he was interested in possibly becoming a a head coach after Mm -hmm. uh, he saw the success in Deion Sanders, where's the commitment is going to be the next step. You can have the interest, but where's the commitment and where's that passion going to be there? And I don't know, I don't see anyone else at this time that has that. Yeah, it'd be nice to see somebody like Shannon Sharp increase his presence. I know he's doing big things on TV, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't be mad for him to stay there. But I just want to shout out Tamika Reed, Tamika Reed and Robert Jones, Larry Scott, Kevin Brothers, people who signed extensions and agreed to stay at HBCUs when they've had opportunities to go elsewhere, probably to make a little more money. So I love the investment. I think we're getting to the right place. But something that you said as well just made me think, and this is my last question, you know, it's been good having you, of course. Um, We've we've had some recent discussions um, on this show about marketing, about profitability, and the cost of HBCU football games in particular. Some feel like they need to increase an effort to gain more revenue for the university or for the universities, I should say. And then also marketing needs to improve across the board, especially in the MEAC. Um, what's your take on ways HBCUs can increase revenue and profit profitability? And also, how can they improve the game day experience? Or how can we improve the game day experience? Fans have to become engaged, right? You, If you want mm. the ESPN to showcase your your, your, and feature your games, are you having enough fans in the stands? Uh-huh. Are you, where's your social media presence now? 
able to market what's going on? And are you laying out uh, a certain schedule where these guys can follow and want to follow? Are you having enough excitement with the wins and losses versus the losses, right? Um, nobody really wants to support a losing cause. But, and, and you know, you want to take it for granted sometimes to say just because, let's say my, my school, just because of your Morehouse, you want to support them. Um, no. Uh, and even back when I was in school, homecoming was huge because all alumni and everybody came and we played like Howard or somewhere to that nature, right? Kentucky State was another team that we played. Surprisingly, we won my senior year over them. <laughs> <laughs> but where, where I'm coming from is this, Ray, is that you've got to win. You've got to market your program. You've got to create some type of buzz and excitement with the fan base where the dollars are going to be willing to exchange, mm-hmm. right? Um, Jackson State right now sits on top of all the FCS schools in attendance. F- they average like 40 something thousand a game sometimes, you know? Um, and then you look at Mississippi State and Ole Miss and places like that, at times they are outpacing the fans that they have, mm. okay? So how are you engaging the community around you as well? That's another one, man. I, I like the fact that last year Dion said, hey, we got to have a family day experience ha- where people in the community can come at a cheaper price, pay for a ticket, come on in and be a part of this. What That's planting a seed for the future. And it also is planting a seed for where a young man who may not feel like he can go to college but has athletic ability can see, well, maybe I could stay home and in Jackson and go to college, right? Or Southern University doing the same thing. Oh, SU is right up the road uh, from New Orleans. Maybe I just need to go to SU. Or I need to stay around Grambling, Zachary, wherever, you know? Those are the things that are important, and you know, even in your community in Maryland, guys. Mm-hmm. I was just in Virginia this weekend. Um, I saw the communities around Norfolk. I saw the communities around Hampton. What are they doing to engage more people? I'm not saying they're not, but those are the things that's going to be important to be able to have successful programs. I, mm-hmm. I definitely agree. I think I think a lot of HBCUs need to take advantage of like social media and trying to engage the the audience to kind of, like you said, kind of get them in to say, you know what, I want to support them because uh, I think a lot to me to me not not naming any of them, not gonna put anybody out there, but some of them are real dormant when it comes to social media. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, you have so much talent in the school itself. Mm-hmm. You have. Mm-hmm. Young guys who may be a part of a marketing class or maybe that's their major, why don't you have them helping you out? I agree. Why, to be able to get class credit or something to that mm-hmm. nature. Wouldn't that be a smart move to have Very a smart. full-time? If you don't have enough 
to be able to uh, left resources to say we're going to hire somebody, use the use the students, use their abilities, their talents that they have. There's communication departments. Have them work with those guys. You have stations, radio stations on campus or whatever. Have them to be a part of that type of stuff. You know, um, you, you, I always felt you create the buzz from within, man. Mm-hmm. You know, mm. instead no, of outside. No, I agree. I definitely agree. So I have one last question before we let you go. Um, a little lighthearted, but you know, I think that to me, it's kind of, it's still, it's very interesting. You've interviewed a number of notable uh, HBCU athletic alums. To you, which which one was the more enjo- your most enjoyable interview? <laughs> just the alums or the sports? Yeah, HBCU or? athletic alum. Uh, uh, yeah, just uh, athletic alums. Okay, okay. Other athletic alums that would have been, of course, Deion Sanders. Okay. Mm. Uh, but get this, my favorite interview was okay. Wanda Sykes. Oh, okay. We can go that route. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> she's from DC. DC. Yeah, she's uh, what Hampton, Hampton, right? Uh, HBCU grad, and she was uh, promoting the All Star Game, HBCU All Star Basketball Game, uh-huh. and Wanda and I just had a great time just cracking up and <laughs> enjoyed that interview, you know? Uh-huh. Uh, so that was one of my favorite interviews and it wasn't a sports related guy. <laughs> so that was pretty cool. But awesome. you know, the thing about coach Sanders was um, he asked you questions in return. Ooh. Okay. You know, mm-hmm. and what does, if that tells me that the interviewer, is interesting to the interviewee Uh, and that helps engage right Uh it's just like uh right so what was your favorite time in school wale oh my favorite time in school uh what year i would say that was my sophomore year i cut loose loose because i just uh, like ray would tell you like i was i was um I was. What would you, what would you, you say? You, I was? you you realized you didn't have any structure. You I had. I didn't have any structure. I was. You know, you, I as was, a freshman, you still conditioned. My, yeah. my parents pretty much they, they held me down. They held me down. So as a, as a sophomore, it was more like, all right, it's my time. <laughs> <laughs> I've arrived. Got it. Got it. <laughs> all right. So Ray, how did you keep him in line? How did I keep him in line? I I, I pretty much did what he asked to the point where. <laughs> We, we took a speech class together. I'm serious. I say, I'm going to support you or whatever. And we played Madden in front of a class as part of a speech. And it, it went horrible, as you can imagine. But yes, that's what we wanted to do. So, so I supported that. I'm so serious. This is so true. This is so true. Well, well look, man. It, it, it's good. I'm going to tell you this, man. It's good that you guys are friends, number one. Right? Yeah. Because to have your friend to be a part of a journey with you to build a business, a brand is important. I lost my best friend. Mm. Uh, he was with me with Saints News Network from the second year I started on until he passed away five years ago. Um, and we had the best times together, man. And you guys are going to have some great times together. But learn together, respect one another, and also grow and 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 don't stay in the box. Try to work on what you're doing. Work on your craft, mm-hmm. right? 
Uh, and I'm telling you, you guys are going to have so much fun in the process. Because I never thought I would be in a position to talk to the all-time leading receiver, the all-time leading mm-hmm. uh, rusher in, in the game, as well as the best cornerback to ever play the game in wow. all one year. And I had that blessing to be able to, to talk to Jerry Rice, Deion Sanders, as well as Emmitt Smith. And it all became something because I loved and I was passionate about sports. And you guys keep your passion as well. Wow. Hey, well, listen, real quick. <laughs> I, I, my bad. I know, I know we got to let you go. How big, just, just give me one word maybe. What was the magnitude of that SI cover with, with Dion and Shador, like that Jackson State cover? That was huge. 28 years, no HBCU college was featured, you know, uh, since Steve McNair, the hand him the Heisman uh, story that was uh, on the cover, 28 years since. And to have Coach Prime, his son and Travis Scott, I mean, Travis Hunter on the uh, cover was huge because that's showing you they're taking notice. You understand? Yes, sir. Uh, and I shared this story, and not belittling SI when I, I share this story, but they they weren't buying into HBCUs over a year ago. Uh, it took them some time to understand that this could work. And I'm fortunate and I'm blessed and I'm happy they gave me the opportunity to be able to cover HBCUs. Now, we're not, I don't work for them. I'm in partnership with them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, I own Saints News Network. I own uh, HBC Legends and I own Pelican Scoop. Uh-huh. So we're in partnership together and working together to try to make it happen. And it's been a, a great ride. So you never know where this is going to go. You never know where urban sports is going to go. You never know what you guys are going to do and grow into. Just keep on grinding. Don't give up. Be tenacious. Absolutely. Well, we appreciate having you. I don't know if you want to close out with sharing how people can reach you on social media and also where they sure. can check out your content. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you, Ray and Wale. Yeah, I appreciate you guys. Uh, if there's anything I can do in the future to help you guys out, let me know. Always hit me up, you know. Um, but you can find me, guys, on Twitter at KTMOZE. And you can also find HBCU Legends at HBCU Legends and Saints News at Saints News as well. And Pelican Scoop at Pelican Scoop on Twitter as well. Uh, But you can go online to our Sports Illustrated sites uh, under the Saints, Pelicans, and HBCUs. Uh, So we are there and we are covering every day. Just let me know what we could do to make it better. We're looking for guys to come on board as well. So, hey, I'm recruiting. I'll do uh, a Suge Knight. If y'all want somebody. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. (laughs) If you don't want uh, the editor all in your stories, (laughs) come on down to the HBCU Legends, man. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh yeah, well see, well they know I used to write I used to write for Fox Sports Radio too. And um and another freelance site. So yeah, this experience might be something I might be interested in. No Look, doubt. man, 
we are growing and the interest is there out there right now. It's a great opportunity for a young person to groom themselves and learn. All right? Definitely. All right. Thank you so right. much, guys. Uh, appreciate, thank, thank you so you. much. Tell, tell, uh, t- make sure Zion ships up so da- Zion plays right. All right, Zion. Plays right, man. <laughs> that that food is right. too good out there. Y'all eating too good. <laughs> I don't know if you saw the last um, – Last photos of him, but he looks pretty cut these days, man. I know. How'd he uh, do it so fast, though, man? Money. <laughs> <laughs> money. I think he also understands the importance of uh, being healthy uh, to be able to take it to the next level. That guy is so talented, man. The Pelicans, I believe, would have been able to get past the Phoenix Suns that first round. If they had Zion, they yeah, needed to have somebody a, a little bit more aggressive on the boards those last couple of games uh, that they fell to the Suns. But yeah, yeah uh, Zion, he's going to be important, man. He's going to be very, very important. If he he's healthy, rare. He's so rare. Yeah, it's he's, very important. Yeah. And also, I just think the addition of CJ McCullough makes everything flow even better. Uh, yeah, uh, I think they need another veteran. I think mm-hmm. they need a a veteran with a championship pedigree to help them out may not be have to be a starter could be a guy coming off the bench to support them or someone who has a good uh locker room presence to help them out i think that's one thing that's kind of missing right there all right we'll see we'll see all right well, i'll definitely reach on. out no doubt thank you so much all right guys appreciate it, mm-hmm. appreciate you, it. you're welcome mm-hmm. take care bye take care. You are listening to the Urban Sports Scene. I'm back. You know, that was Kyle T. Mosley. He's dope. Again, man, make sure you check him out. Um, he's doing great work. Uh, check out HBCU Legends. And you, you can find him on Twitter at KT Mose. And you can spell that. It's spelled out like at K-T-M-O-Z-E. Again, KT Mose. Hey, subscribe to our podcast on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, and Google Podcasts. Just search the Urban Sports Scene. Also, follow us on Twitter at Urban Sports Scene, IG at Urban Sports Scene, and like our Urban Sports Scene Facebook page. Please don't forget to make sure you subscribe to our Urban Sports Scene YouTube channel as well. Check out the home of the Urban Sports Scene, Amphire Media at AmphireMedia.com. And this show can be found on Podcast DC. Download the Podcast DC app to hear all of the Amplifier shows as well as other great content. Hey, thanks for thank you all for tuning in. We we always appreciate y'all. Anyway, you've been listening to the Urban Sports Scene for ages. Yudig deuces, a mega. Do me a favor, favor, big homie. Lead us out, my man.